Well, good morning and welcome to Alpine Church. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm one of the teachers here, and uh, I'm really excited to be with you today. Uh, if you're new or visiting with us, a special warm welcome to you. Uh, we're honored and humbled that you uh, have chosen to come and uh, worship with us. And we are in the last uh, week of our series on grace. And I hope that for those of you who have come the last several weeks that you have really uh, experienced it, been refreshed, and kind of gotten a really good understanding on what grace is. Uh, many of you may know the story of my life. Uh, I am from Utah, was born and raised here. I, I kind of have a, a little bit of a, a rough upbringing. My parents were divorced when I was uh, in third grade. And that was really impactful on a young man. Uh, believe it or not, they were actually remarried. My dad came to faith, and then my parents got remarried when I was in seventh grade, but the damage could have already been done at that time. Uh, believe it or not, they ended up getting divorced again many years later when I was in Bible school, so that was tough too. But, uh, but the damage had been done. So my dad came to faith, and we kind of were raised as, I guess you could say, maybe Christian. Uh, we were forced to go to church. It wasn't that we got to go to church, it's that we were kind of forced along to go to church, and and so uh, I did a lot of things. My dad was a, uh, he worked at the flour mill in Ogden and he was, worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So I barely got to see my dad. And so there was a lot of just deep rooted issues of wanting to be accepted and to belong and all of these things. And so I really just kind of did everything that I could to find acceptance. So I was an athlete, I, I played sports, I played football, I was kind of a social kid in high school and, and did some, some things that, you know, many would consider bad things. I was, uh, you know, did some alcohol and drugs, and it was just kind of social stuff. And uh, my senior year, I broke my wrist the first game of the season in football, and it devastated my life. It changed the outcourse of, you know, what I wanted to do with athletics and, and many, many things. And it was a downhill spiral for me from that point. I kind of went off the deep end. I got really extremely depressed. Social drug use became into a pretty heavy addiction on some, some pretty serious things. And uh, there was a period in my life where I was literally just running from God, and because of his goodness and because of his mercy and a miraculous event, it's a very, very long story, but there was an evil experience that I had where God used it to get my attention, and uh, he radically transformed me. Uh, there was no more addiction, anything like that, and I sold everything that I had in six months, and I went to Bible school. I thought, this is a reasonable thing. I'll just kind of change my life and just go and, and go to Bible school, and so uh, many of you may know Brian Dwyer. He started Alpine Church. We came into contact, he mentored me a little bit, and then sent me off to Bible school. And I was so excited, man. God had radically changed my life, and, and I was ready just to go and, and to serve him. And I was on my way to Bible school where I was going to go with people who surely they had experienced what I had experienced. So, man, I, I couldn't wait to be in the presence of other people, other Christians who had experienced what I had experienced. And I remember uh, I went spring semester, and I flew in. Uh, to Bible school. It was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And when I got there, it was completely different than anything that I had ever thought that it would be. Uh, I was uh, uh, the outcast. I was a black sheep, if you would. Um, you know, I remember there were times in a smaller school I was walking to class and I could hear people talking about me. Uh, I was that washed up, you know, drug addict from Utah who had tattoos. Uh, actually, I have tattoos. Turns out they're forever, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get tattoos. Uh, but I just remember being in a place, thinking to myself, is this how God's people treat other people? 
And I remember just being broken and, and being, uh, I, I called home oftentimes. I was a, a mama's boy, and so I called home and I said, Mom, I don't think I can do this. First of all, it's freezing here, and second of all, these people are really rude. And uh, she just kind of, she kind of talked me off the ledge time after time after time again, and, and uh, it was a very, very difficult time for me. And I remember uh, coming home, I came home one, one semester, it was my first semester on my way home. Many of you who are a college student, you know that you go home, right? You can't wait to go home. And, and God had gotten a hold of my life so much that I was going to tell anybody and everybody about Jesus. Like, I was not afraid to do it. And so, uh, you know, I got on the plane and everybody that walked by or, you know, the people sat by me, I just straight on was telling them about Jesus and what he did to my life, it did to me and, and how he changed my life. And, and I remember for about three and a half hours was the flight. I was talking to this young man and, and we were talking about how God did all these things in my life and he was listening. You know, most people put their headphones on and just kind of, you know, leave me alone. But he listened. And I remember as we were getting off to go, uh, I invited him to church. I was like, I'm going to invite this guy to church. It's like the reasonable thing to do. I just witnessed to him. Now I'm going to invite him to church. So I invited him to church, and I will never forget what he said to me. He said, you know, you and I went to high school together. And he said, you were the biggest fill-in-the-blank <laughs> that I had ever known in my life. I would never go to church with you. And so here I was, this young man. I was a guy who had radically had my life transformed. I went to a school that I thought people were going to love me and care for me and, and believe in me, and, and instead they judged me a lot. And then I, I now am going and I'm trying to tell people about Jesus and the very people that I'm telling about Jesus saw me as a hypocritical Christian in high school. And that's just one of many stories that I'm sure that, that I made an even worse impact. And I was broken. I was really, really broken. And sadly, I think when it comes to Christianity, that story is far uh, too often. You know, there's a study that was done that said that 25% of Americans do not like Christians. 25%. Now, that might not seem like a lot, but, but really, I did the rough numbers, and that's like 90 million people. 90 million people look at Christianity or look at Christians and don't like them because of a list of reasons. A few that I picked out of the, the study was Christians are viewed as judgmental, uh, Christians are viewed as hypocritical, and Christians are just viewed as unfriendly. So when we think about grace and how we've experienced grace, how does this then apply to our life? You know, as Christians, I think uh, we live by grace, we are saved by grace, the Bible says, we sing about grace, amazing grace, like all of these things, right? But I'm afraid that in our world and in our culture and in the surrounding world around us, some Christians aren't always known for their grace, would you pray with me, God? I, I ask that you would just tug on our heartstrings today. Uh, for those in this room, God, who have experienced your, your grace and how amazing it has been in their lives and transformed them, God, I pray that you would spur us on to desire to give that to people uh, everywhere around us. For those in this room, God, who are here today for the very first time and, and are maybe seeking or investigating, would you, to speak to their hearts, God, show them your unjudging you know, unconditional love and mercy and grace today. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, so just real quickly, let's recap how we got here. So in week one, uh, we gave you this definition on grace, right? So grace is the quality of God's character by which he helps us and blesses us with good gifts 
without requiring anything in return. And so week one, we looked at the initial experience of receiving God's grace is when he sent his son, Jesus, to live the life that we couldn't live. The Bible says there's this thing that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And it says the result of that sin is separation or death. It's separation from God. And so what God did is he sent Jesus... So Jesus came to this earth, and he lived the life that we couldn't live, and in fact, he did everything right, and he paid the penalty on the cross for our sins so that we could be justified and made right in God's eyes again. And so this initial experience of grace is accepting what God has given us, not by any merit or any worth or any value or anything that we could ever do. It was all what God did. And so In week two, we talked about it not just being a one-time thing. It's not, okay, you've been saved by grace, now go live a perfect life. No, it's, it's now let grace permeate every moment of your every day, right? It should change the way we look at ourselves. It should change the way we look at other people. It should change the way we live so that we don't live free to sin, but what we do is we, in sin, accept God's grace so that it would propel us to live more godly lives. Last week we talked about how grace should function uh, in relationships in the church, right? For Christians who uh, have relationships with other people who are followers of Christ and what that looks like, how we should uh, speak the truth in love, that we should uh, help people flourish and grow in their relationship with God, that we would not be judgmental or condemning. Uh, We would in times, if there is sin or if there are things that are separating people from God, in love, we would communicate that and say, listen, we can do this together. There's community there. And so lastly, in this week, what we want to talk about is we want to talk about how, as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are one in this room, how we can be representatives for the most holy God in either a positive way or a negative way. And so hopefully uh, you're here wherever you're at on your journey. Maybe you're here today and uh, you're, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian and some of the things that we talked about in that study, you too feel the same way. You feel that you know, Christians are judgmental and they are hypocritical and they are unfriendly. And, and you know what? I think that there are a lot of Christians in here who would agree with you. No one likes anyone who is representing or misrepresenting God in a, a negative way. You see, God came to show love and to show mercy and to show grace. And for people who do opposite of that, uh, that's a difficult thing. You know, maybe you're here today, and this is a challenge that that I've had in my own life. Maybe you're here today and you have experienced God's grace, and you need to rethink or reshift on how you interact with the world around us or with those close to us. So how do we do that? How do we treat everyone with love and grace? How do we treat people with respect but also be truthful to our faith and to God And I think there's a couple ways that we can do that. And the first is this, is that we need to speak with grace to those who don't know God. So let's let's go back to that study and let's think of those few things that we pull out. Why people think that, that Christians are maybe too pushy with their beliefs or if they're judgmental or hypocritical. You know, it's interesting to me that people would have that because in my, you know, in my experience, many people don't really have a lot of conversations with people outside of their faith. And that could be for a list of reasons. Maybe they're afraid. Maybe they're, uh, you know, not wanting to engage or, you know, whatever it might be. But 
in reality, we need to, when we have relationships with those outside of the church, we need to speak with grace and with love. You know, I think what happens is, is we oftentimes have the wrong conversations when it comes to other people in our faith. You know, the Bible is very clear that we should have those conversations, that we should give the hope of Jesus Christ. In fact, in 1 Peter 3.15-16, through 16, it says, If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. I think this is interesting. So where, where do people get the idea that we're too pushy with our beliefs? I mean, I, I think about it in my relationships. I think of conversations that I had. And oftentimes what happens is we're having the wrong conversation other than the hope that we mentioned, right? When, when people hear us being pushy about our beliefs, it could be because of our political views or it could be about our moral views on what we think is right and is wrong. And so we're not afraid to share that with other people, you know, many people, when we communicate to them about faith, they, they only hear, man, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. I literally had this conversation with someone the other day, and they, they said, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, are you telling people that? Like, don't do that. I don't even know what that means. Do you? You know, and so... People hear like, it's the end of the world, you know, the way our society is living and all of these things. And yet, you know what, there are a lot of evil things that are happening in this world. That is absolutely true. But that doesn't mean that we push people into those evil things. We need to point people to Jesus. You see, oftentimes what we do is, is we get combative or defensive in how we communicate. And so, you know, oftentimes our conversations aren't laced in hope and in love and in joy. It's about all of the bad things that are happening. You know, secondly, maybe it's because we don't always share our beliefs in a, a gentle way or a respecting way. Uh, I, I have a, a really good friend. Well, I had a really good friend. Unfortunately, my actions affected that relationship. But uh, my son and his son were the same age, and we coached a soccer team together. Uh, and so that was the, the first mistake, because I'm the most competitive human being on the planet Earth. So uh, coaching my son is not a good thing. We found that out pretty quickly. But for two years, we did this together, and man, God just opened door after door to have like good season conversations. It was never religious. It was never anything like that. It was like, you know, we were just connecting, and we were friends, and our kids were doing well together, and, and it was awesome. Like, there were times when he would ask me about what I do as a, a, a job, and you tell someone in Utah that you're a pastor, and they're like, what does that mean, you know? And so you get to go into additional conversations and all of these things, and and uh, it, it got to where our relationship was so strong that they invited us over for dinner to come to their house. And, like, that's a, a victory. You know, when, when someone invites you over, they're a different faith, and they invite you over, this is an opportunity to communicate. And I remember being there at his home, having dinner, and the, the, the conversation going to faith. And it was not a good conversation. Instead of, you know, in love and, and in communication and just hearing what he had to say, it became this, like, theological battle on why my faith was right and his faith was wrong. And you see, this wasn't intentional. It was just a moment of, oh my gosh, we're having a conversation and I feel like what he believes is wrong, so I need to stand up for my faith. And, and what it led to was that I was putting him down and the argument got so heated that there was uh, an interaction and the interaction almost turned into violence 
uh, but I left because he would have beaten me up, so I didn't want to do that. But I remember driving home with my wife and with my kids who all were there. They were all there, and they all watched. And I remember thinking, we just blew it. <laughs> we just blew it. I haven't had a conversation with Ryan for since. This was several years ago. You know, I think what happens is we get into these, these things and, and, and we violate 1 Peter 3 all the time. And, and maybe it's not necessarily intentional, right? We, we, we end up defending and, and that defense comes across as, as looking at someone else's beliefs and, and being negative about them, right? We, we just want to battle and beat people up with the truth. We engage in, in these discussions that turn to be shouting matches and shouting matches that end up being protests and, and what happens is, is we're not really sharing the hope of Jesus. Instead, what we're doing is we're combating and we're fighting and we're pushing people away. You know, when we, when we share the message of Jesus, we have to be truthful to the message of Jesus. That doesn't mean that we say, oh, oh live in whatever sin that you want to live in. Do whatever you want to do. We all love you. It's rainbows and butterflies. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is that you have the ability to, Ephesians 4, speak the truth in love, in gentleness, in respect, in kindness. You see, I think what happens is we really usually go the other way. The truth is, is we're not, we're not trying to win arguments. We're trying to win people. You know, I think about this, and I take it a step further. It's not how we talk to other people. It's how we talk around other people. Do you know that people are, are watching you? They're listening to you. They're listening to how you interact with other people. They're, they're seeing how, the, how you engage. Or they're, they're seeing if you're consistent and you're doing these things. If you've identified yourself as a Christian, people are watching you. In fact, people are watching you even if you haven't told them you're a Christian. You know, I think about this in my life, in being very, very competitive. You know, I'm that guy who goes to the games and, uh, you know, forgive me God, I'm the one who's yelled at the referee. You know, everyone knows that guy, right? Like, I'm yelling at the referee and he's an awful guy and he's a terrible call. Can you believe he's doing this? And, I mean, my son's 13, right? Like, who is that guy? Oh, that's the pastor, the, the pastor at Alpine Church, you know? It's It's true. And so people are, are watching, and, and thank God that he's gracious, and he looks at us and says, okay, you know, we all make mistakes, we all fall short, but what is it that you're doing? You know, think about that for a moment, you know, that lunchtime gossip. You know, how do you engage in that? I mean, you have the opportunity to say, hey, listen, I, I don't want to be a part of this, so-and-so's not here, I better leave, you guys have a good day, or are you engaging in that? Yeah, so-and-so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think about this in, in school, students. You know, we get into these, these scenarios where we, like, find ourselves being or doing things that we never would have thought we would ever do because we want to fit in. Instead of, you know what, standing up and saying, listen, my relationship with God is valuable, and so I, I, don't, I, I don't want you guys to think that I don't like you or care about you, but I just don't want to be in this environment. You know, I was the youth pastor for so many years here at Alpine, and, and as a high school student, even as a college-age student, it is so hard, it is so hard to stand up in what you believe and for your faith. But I'm telling you, if you do, if you show people that you are different, if you are a light in the darkness, if you are salt to the earth, people will see something different in you, and God can use you to change the world around you. And he can do that in a positive way or a negative way. 
And you know, I don't think it just ends in high school or college. I think it goes on throughout our lives. I think it's who we engage with at work. I think it's who we engage with around in family settings. There's all of these things. And so think about that. We're called to be loving and to be gracious. Colossians 4, 5 through 6, it says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most out of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Are, are our conversations, are your conversations, are my conversations, are they gracious? Are they attractive? You know, are my thoughts, my words, my deeds, the things that I do, are they pointing people to Jesus or away from Jesus? And that's just something that we, we need to take an internal look at and say, man, how am I living to represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords? What am I doing in my relationship with other people to point them to him. You know, my hope is for you, yes, that you're doing these things. And my hope is, if you're not, that we would, again, rest in God's grace, in his forgiveness, in his love, and ask for him to challenge us to be better. Because there's no doubt on how we talk to and around people that it will make an impact around us. But I think it's more than that. It's more than what we say, it's what we do. And here's what I mean. It's that we need to treat people with grace even if they don't follow God. (laughs) Now, you might be here today and you might be thinking, man, you don't really know much about me. You don't know my relationships. You don't know experiences that I've had with people as I've tried to defend my faith and some of the mean things that people have said to me or about me, some of the things that they've done. And you're right, I don't. And, And listen, there are a lot of things that happen that are difficult things and we don't want to discount that. But the truth is, is when, we, when people are disrespectful to our faith or when they, they push us or whatever it might be, we have the opportunity to defend, to get into a defensive posture in a negative way or to be able to say, you know, I'm going to lovingly and graciously communicate with you even though we're not on the same page. You know, I think about this, as Christians, we feel fret, threatened and we feel attacked when, when someone naturally, you know, comes at our faith or our belief system. It's just a natural defense mechanism. And, you know, I think about this with other people. Like, when I have conversations with other people, like my friend Ryan, there are things, ideals and values and beliefs that he have that are very strong, and he got there for a reason. And so for me to do anything else but acknowledge and you know, speak the truth in love at the right time in grace and respect, or I can combat and cause friction. You know, I think that, that Jesus knew that we all needed grace. For those of us in this room here who have experienced it, Jesus knew that you and I needed grace. For those of us in here who maybe aren't followers of him right now, he knows that you need his grace. Jesus knew that we all needed it. And you know what, I think for those of us who accept, have accepted God's gra- grace, he then expects and calls us to live a different path, a higher standard. Matthew 5, through 45 says, But I say, love your enemies. <laughs> Pray for those who persecute you in that way. You will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. You see, this is very clear what Jesus is saying is that we all need his grace. We all need his love. We all need his mercy and his kindness. And what he's doing here is he's helping us. He's helping his followers. He's reminding them that we too need to do the same. 
in our relationships with people, we need to point them to Jesus. You know, I think what happens is, is as Christians, we, we get into this, we have to, to be the moral police and we have to point people out for the wrongdoing that they're doing. And, and this just isn't outside of the church. I think that there are, like last week we talked about, this is, happens inside of the church where we point fingers and we judge and we condemn and we say what you're doing is wrong and, and it's not good and all of these things. When in reality, we need to look internal. I mean, if I begin to think of all of the things that God has forgiven me for without any expectation, without any, you know, anything that I had to do or could do, that he just looks at me and loves me and says, I forgive you, how could I then look at anyone else with eyes of judgment and condemnation? Now, please don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't see sin for what it is and that you won't have hard conversations, but the way that you interact and the way that you have those conversations can either point people to Jesus or that can point them away. You know, I think, sadly, in today's culture, I think there's a lot of pastors and I think there's a lot of Christians who, who do the opposite, who they, they, they feel like they need to condemn and to judge unchurched people for their views and for you know, their political stance and all of these things. But I really, truly doubt that's what Jesus had in mind when he came to this earth to die for the world. Very few people get judged into life change, far more get loved into it. I mean, I think about this, in the presence of judgment, there's always an, almost always an accident of love. I mean, I think about it in marriage, in friendship, in life, it's impossible, it's virtually impossible to have love and judgment at the same time. And you might be saying, well, what if someone's doing something wrong? You know, uh, I, I need to, to, to protect them from their mistakes and all of these things. And we begin to have this thing, you know, what I would say is that we need to deal with us first. And when we begin to see the need that we have, that we rest upon God's grace every moment of every single day, that we would in tune turn around and not be judgmental or con- condemning, but we would be loving and gracious and merciful and kind. Because having been loved by the king, we can love others. If I'm judging someone, I'm not loving them. I mean, I, I think it's important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit, it's his job to convict. John 16, 8 says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. It's the Holy Spirit's job. It's God's job to convict people. We are a conduit of God's grace and of his love. And so even though we may not condone what someone is doing or what they believe, we can still love them and we can show them God's mercy and his grace. So what is our job then uh, to, to respect to those around us? What do we need to do? How do we show them Jesus? I think the first thing is, is we give them hope. We give them the hope that, 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 that God has given us. You know, how, how do we do that? I think the first thing is that we, we realize that when we accept God, the Holy Spirit resides in us and he gives us the power. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere, not only in word but in action. And I think the second thing is the way we live our lives, that we're different. Matthew 5.16 says, let your good deeds shine for all those to see that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus says the way that you act, people will see. The things that you do, people will take notice. Are you just blending in? Are you going in with the crowd? Are you daring to be different? Are you, are you saying, listen, I can be in the world, but not of it. And I think about this, going back to kids in high school. 
Yeah, you can be right in the middle of, of the world. You can be right in the middle of all the things that are going on, but you, you don't have to succumb to that. And what you can do in, your, in, your, in, in God's strength and in his power and your relationship with him, other people will say, wow, there's something different about that person. You can be a world changer. And it goes on not only in high school and college, all the way on in every day of our life. My modeling God's grace to treat people with kindness, with mercy, with love, with acceptance. And yeah, it might be tough, the, way, the things that people do, the sins that they're engaged in, the beliefs that they have, those things might be tough. But it doesn't mean that we can't be a light in the darkness. It doesn't mean that we can't be salt to the earth, that we add flavor and that if someone looks at us and says, wow, there is something different about that person. I want to know what it is. What will our behavior, what will my behavior do to point people to or from God? I think it's easier for us, a lot less messy for many of us, just to draw the line in the sand and say, oh, they're not Christian. I'm going to go to church nowadays. We've got things that we can do five nights a week if we wanted to. So it's just easier to kind of hang out there. I don't think that's God's heart for us. I think we are called to love him with everything that we have and that we're called to also love others as we love ourselves. There's a great story. We'll end with this in Matthew. This is Jesus in his life. I think that it illustrates everything that we've been talking about. It says, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to, to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I love that. But when the Pharisees saw this, those religious leaders, when they saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. I mean, look at the people that Jesus was hanging out with. I mean, he was hanging out with the tax collector that no one wanted to be around. He was hanging around with people that you wouldn't necessarily see just freely coming to church. And, and this doesn't mean that Jesus engaged in the sin or, or engaged in the party. What this means is that Jesus knew that there were people who needed him and that his words and his actions could bring life to them. And so he went and he was a difference maker. It's the calling that we have on our lives. You know, was Jesus condoning their lifestyle choices? Absolutely not. Was he condoning my lifestyle cho choice when he recklessly pursued me? Absolutely not. But he loved me and he gave me something that none of the world, nothing else could give me. And you see, we have the opportunity to be a people that can help others experience what we've experienced. And so if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, my call and my hope and my charge to us would be that we would be a people that are laced with God's grace and mercy and kindness, not with a lens of judgment or condemnation. You know, if you go back to the original way that I started the story telling you about my experience uh, at Bible school, you know, it could have very, very, very easily been something different where without God's protection and without his love for me and without bringing the right people in my life, I could have ended up right back into drug addiction and life because I was ready to leave Bible school because of other Christians. And you know, there was this time where I was on the fifth floor uh, and it was you know, in our dorm room and I remember just coming back, we had just gotten done playing a pickup basketball game 
and uh, it, it was like shirts and skins. Uh, and you guys know what this means. So I had to take my shirt off, and I have all these really ridiculous tattoos. And I just, I literally remember, I'm a pretty confident guy, but I literally remembering everything that they were saying and looking and laughing, and I, I, went, I, I went to my room, and I said, I'm done. I'm not going to do it. And I just broke down. I literally broke down. And there, there was an RA, his name was Grant Blumberg, and he came into my room, or came by and, and heard what had happened, and he said, what's going on? And, and I just, you know, had a moment. And he took me under his wing and loved me like I had never been loved before. He mentored me, he challenged me, he, he looked at everything that I had done, and he said, like, these are ways that God is going to use you. You know, man's rejection is God's redirection, and, and he breathed life into me and he told me, listen, God loves you for who you are and, and it doesn't matter that you have the grim reaper on your arm. Now that's the past, right? Like all of these things, like the, the addiction, these things that these people are pointing out, that's judgment and condemnation. But God says, listen, there is no one righteous, not even one, but he loves you anyways. And if you allow him to penetrate your heart and your mind and if you give him your everything, that he will change you. See, there was one person by God's direction who spoke to me in love and it changed my life forever. And so I had the opportunity to leave or to stay and to pursue my faith. And because of someone who was seasoned with love and grace and mercy, I'm here now to be able to teach and hope, hopefully make an impact. Would you do the same? Would you be a people that would point people to Jesus, not away? Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you look at us and you do it in a way that is not judgmental or or condemning. God, there are so many people that come uh, with so many different backgrounds and upbringings in this place today. God, where maybe they haven't, you know, fit in or measured up or or whatever it might be. Maybe it was a, a life of addiction or past. There's just so many things that the enemy will use to push push people away from you, God. But by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you begin to tug on those hearts in this room today? And God, for those of us who have experienced your love, would you tug on our hearts as well? so that we could be people that would point people to you in action and in deed. Would you help us to love in that way? In your name we pray, amen.